at uh, Genesis uh, chapter 10, and my title for it for this evening is The Origin of uh, Nations. Now, when you look at this uh, chapter, uh, you're, uh, you can see, obviously, there's a lot of names. I believe there are about 70 names uh, here, and uh, some people make an, uh, uh, a thought, bring a thought out from that by the perfection uh, which 70 involves. I'm not going to go down that route myself uh, this evening, but uh, just to say a little bit about some of these uh, verses, because they are really quite interesting. They are, in fact, uh, very interesting uh, for a number of different reasons. And there are lessons, just like there are in every part of Scripture, there are lessons for us to learn. And if we only dig a little bit deeper, well, we can find out uh, what these things are. And uh, there are a lot of uh, things here, but I'll just mention a few. Uh, this chapter shows to us uh, the origin uh, of nations, as I've mentioned. That uh, the great nations uh, of the ancient world, well, you can trace them all, uh, even here to Noah uh, and uh, to uh, his sons. Some of these kingdoms, well, they are no more. Babylon, for example, it's, it's, we're going to mention a little bit about Babylon. But Babylon is uh, no more, and uh, other kingdoms as well. But uh, many others, well, they're still around. Ethiopia, Greece, uh, maybe not always in the same uh, place as they were originally in the ancient time, but still a reference to these great nations. Egypt, that is still uh, with us uh, today. Israel, of course. So I'll, I'll mention some of these uh, nations as we are uh, going through it, but uh, don't worry. I'm not going to go through every name and every, every country that uh, originates from here. That would, it's very interesting actually to me. I, li I like it, and maybe one or two of you do. But it would, otherwise it would be a bit tedious uh, f uh, to do that in a, a Bible study. But for personal study, it's, it's actually quite an interesting uh, study to do. And another uh, thing about this chapter, and really maybe the essential thing about it, is the focus that it uh, it, it, it focuses on it, it homes in, it highlights uh, Eber, the son of Shem, or really we should say the great-grandson uh, of uh, Shem, because he's not actually his direct son. And Moses, it seems, is in a bit of a rush. And he's uh, here in verses uh, 6 uh, to 14, 6 to uh, 20, sorry, I beg your pardon, verses 2 to 5, uh, he mentions the families of Japheth, and then in verses uh, 6 to 20, he hurries through, as it were, the families of Ham. It's as if he can't wait uh, to get to, uh, to Eber and the, the sons of Shem. Well, obviously, as we've said before, it's because that's the godly line. That's the line through whom Christ Jesus is eventually uh, going to come. And so he wants to, to get uh, to, uh, to that point uh, quickly. And that's why also... We read here in, in chapter, in, sorry, verse 21, And to Shem also the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth the elder. As I said, Eber was his great-grandson, not actually his son. But right from the very start, when he's mentioning the children of Eber, he brings before our attention, uh, sorry, the children of Shem, he brings before our attention Eber, so that he is at the forefront because through him specifically, the Jews are going to come. And through him, the Messiah is going to come. So Shem, Eber, and then Abraham, 
uh, we're going to uh, we're going to trace the history of Abraham and uh, how he then we follow him into the land of Egypt and then how he comes back uh, the Israelites come back brought back through the wilderness and then they occupy that land of Canaan and they're there for a number of years and then they go into exile in Babylon because of their sin we trace them there uh, with Jeremiah and Daniel and so on and then when they come back into their land well, that we, we trace them again uh, right up until the coming of Jesus Christ. We're following that one family and that, and that one a thread uh, of the scriptures because it's, that's the vital thing. That's the focus uh, of it. And so uh, all these other nations, well, they're important, they're mentioned, but really in connection with Israel. So when we come across it, most of the time, it's, re it's in relation to the history of uh, Israel. So chapter 10 and chapter 11 uh, is critical for us because it links the prophecy of Noah and that blessing that we looked at in our previous study that is upon Shem, and it connects him with Abraham. So 10 and 11 joins all these two uh, th th this, uh, things together so we can see uh, how God's word also and God's pr uh, prophecy has come uh, to pass. Now as we look at this uh, chapter, and just briefly tonight, uh, we should keep in mind that the events of chapter 10 actually happened uh, after uh, the, the, the scattering of the people in chapter 11. Chapter 11 and what happened at Babel, which we look at, God willing, in our next study, well, that happened, that preceded uh, this uh, division and this uh, actual scattering of the people into different parts of the world. I'll say a bit more as we go on. So verses 2 to 5, we have the nations that come uh, from uh, Japheth. And uh, this group of peoples, well, they occupied the largest uh, land space. So from Goma, uh, we have uh, the Gomorites, and uh, they branched uh, westward uh, into places even like France and Spain. And according to Josephus, uh, the people in Galatia in the times of the New Testament where we get our book, Galatians, they were initially called uh, Gaul people. And before that, they were called Gaul. They were known as Gomorites. And so uh, they settled in that area, and they also moved further afield into uh, those uh, parts of uh, Europe. The even came to our land. <laughs> the even uh, came to uh, settle in Wales. So we, we know this because if you look at the, the Welsh language, apparently, I didn't know this, but the, the Welsh language is called uh, Gomareg, Gomareg, which is uh, from uh, the, uh, Goma himself. So there is a connection there. Not British Israelism, that's something completely different, uh, but uh, there is some connection then. From Madai, uh, the next, uh, another son, where that's where we get the, the Medes, where we read off again in Daniel, and Jeremiah, we read a lot about the Medes and the Persians. Eventually, they joined together with the, the, the kingdom, uh, joined forces with the Persians to become one kingdom. And today, that equates to the nation of uh, Iran. Javan, well, Javan is Greece. And if you look, if you look at every occurrence of Greece uh, in, in the Old Testament, you'll see that the Hebrew translation is Javan. So... All these things is confirmed to us. But verse 5, uh, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone 
after his tongue, after their families in their nations. The Isles of the Gentiles here, it refers to uh, those places that were beyond the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea, countries that were accessible uh, by sea, such as the, the lands that I've mentioned here uh, already. And in Isaiah 42, verse 4, it, uh, this phrase again is found regarding the Isles. And it's, a, uh, it's where the Lord is talking about his servant. And he says, his servant, he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. A prophecy of the, the gospel that's coming uh, to the Indo-European lands. And so a wonderful, very specific uh, prophecy uh, for us. But then notice, even in, in this verse, that the division, friends, is not a disorderly one. That the, the division which happened after uh, Babel, it was, not, it was not a confused scattering of people who didn't know where to go and everyone just broke up and went their own way and did their own thing and just tried to find a spot where they could settle and, uh, with their families. That's not how it happened. It may seem like it on, when you read chapter 11, especially because Babel means uh, confusion, but that's not actually uh, how it, ha it happened. There is a very strong suggestion uh, here that it was all done in an orderly way according to what God had planned, according to what uh, God had uh, put in place and uh, God had determined. And it seems that God has had determined beforehand where each of these families should live, where each, each uh, group should be heading uh, out to. And it was meant to be done in an, and it was done eventually in an orderly way. So there's very good reason to believe that. When you look uh, here at uh, the, uh, the, the mention even about uh, e uh, Eber, it's, it's thought that in verse 21, we, uh, e it was through uh, uh, Eber that uh, uh, this, this plan of God was communicated. We can't, cannot be, be safe for sure. We cannot be 100% certain about it, but it does seem that God had passed on this information to the people that they should go to these different places. Before he told them, and we looked at that in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, and they came out of the ark, replenish the earth. That was the mandate given to, to Adam, and it was renewed again with, with Noah. Go out and replenish the earth. But in addition to that, they were also told where to reside. And we can, we can see this in, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verses uh, 7 to 8. These are Moses' words to Israel in the wilderness. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee. Thy elders and they will tell thee. And then listen to this. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the people of Israel. So the friends there, that's not a, that division, the, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, that's not really talking about the division of Canaan to the different tribes, but it's referring uh, here to uh, the division of land uh, to the, uh, 
the division of the world to the different uh, families uh, mentioned here in chapter 10. And then again in the New Testament, Acts 17, 26, God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined, before, determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God, friends, has already determined and mapped out the borders of nations. And uh, it seems that seems to be uh, what was in place here, which, which, uh, which when you read Genesis chapter 11, it makes even more sense. Here they are, God has told them to go out, not only to all the other to different parts of the world, but to particular places, and yet they rebel. And yet they go against what God uh, has said. So the division and, and, and the scattering that took place after Babel, well, it happened uh, here, we can see, according in an orderly way, uh, because it happened after uh, everyone, after his tongue, after their families in their nations. Families were kept together by language. God could have, when he uh, brought that, uh, a number of languages at uh, Babel, he could have separated families. He could have had a husband and a wife speaking different languages, or parents and children speaking different languages. But God didn't do that. The families were kept together and allowed to speak the same language together, and so wherever they went, they could still have that uh, communication with each other, and as a society, wherever they went, they could work together and function together because that same language was still there. In the kindness of God, and the goodness of God, these things uh, happened, and it wasn't just a total confusion as if uh, no one knew what they were doing. So a, a wonderful mercy, I think, uh, of God in determining and arranging these things uh, for them. Even in the judgment that came upon them, uh, he is uh, merciful. Well, friends, a little bit of a, uh, an application for us is uh, let God determine where we live. If he chooses where nations should, should be and where nations should stand, we must always uh, seek him. Where should I live? It's a very simple application. Where should I be? We leave that uh, in God's hands because he knows. And where he appoints for us the best place to be, whether it's in cold England or a sunny land uh, in the Far East or somewhere, or in, other, in any other place, well, that is the place where, uh, where God determines is the best place for me to be. Well, verses uh, 6 to 20, we have the families of uh, Ham, Cush, uh, uh, that's Ethiopia. In the Bible always, again, if you look at the word Ethiopia, you'll see in Hebrew it, it's Cush. Uh, Mizraim, uh, in another son, is Egypt. And then we have uh, Canaan. Canaan, as you know, was cursed uh, because of uh, uh, his sin. And uh, his descendants here are listed in verses 15 uh, to 18. And we're familiar with them because we've, we've read uh, so much about them uh, when we read uh, Joshua and so on. Uh, verse, uh, verse 15, the Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn and Heth, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, and uh, so on and so on. All those groups of people who were occupying Canaan, and uh, they, they were occupying it, and before uh, Israel went in and took possession uh, of it. And so uh, uh, these, are the, these are the ones 
uh, they originated uh, from here before, and uh, sorry, they, uh, they lived in Canaan before they were driven out by uh, Joshua. Well, the name that stands out in this list, of course, of Ham's sons and grandsons is this man, uh, Nimrod, the son of uh, Cush, verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod. Uh, the word, the name Nimrod means a rebel. And uh, he was a, a mighty one, we read here. He was one who stood out uh, from the crowd. While the others, it seems, were somewhat uh, happy to uh, just acquiesce to the, the, the things of the time and the fact that uh, people just lived under the heads of the families, a sort of like a patriarchal uh, system. Well, he wanted something more than that. And he it was ambition that drove him uh, on. He wanted to excel other people, and that's what he did. He did excel other people in his hunting and in his achievements. Well, he was a mighty warrior, and he was, as we see here, also a kingdom a builder. He built these big and great... He's like, a, he's like a, 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 a person who's not satisfied with just being with a small thing. He wants more and to conquer more and more lands. He's like an ancient Napoleon who wants to, to gain a more and more uh, territory. And he's, he comes across in this way, seeking uh, to excel and to spread uh, abroad his power. And most likely, most likely he won the admiration of the people. When they saw him doing what he did, they liked it. They were, they were, they were for him. And we read here also that he was a mighty hunter uh, before uh, the Lord. Now that's probably not said in an approving way of him, as if the Lord was happy with him being so, but because his name was a, a rebel, and uh, most likely the Lord was unhappy with his uh, behavior and his characteristics. He was a rebel in, in, his, in name, and he was a rebel also in deed. He was the one most likely who persuaded or coerced the people uh, even in, uh, not to move out, not to go to those different places. But let's stay together, he said. Let's stay together in the land of Shinar. Let's uh, stay together and build that tower uh, in, in Babel. And for that end, he built uh, that uh, great uh, city, Babel. And he rebelled, showing his rebellion, even in his actions. The word Babel, well, friends, it means also Babylon. Babylon. And uh, we know and re read about Babylon in the Old Testament uh, and, uh, and how the, the Israelites went into Babylon uh, in, in exile. And, but this great, great kingdom, which people thought would never, ever fall, fell in, uh, in overnight in 539 uh, BC. It came to an end. It was a magnificent kingdom. But overnight, it fell. In the New Testament, we read about spiritual Babylon. And that's the world. And the world uh, also, we know, is in rebellion. Isn't it? It's in rebellion against its maker. It's in rebellion against uh, the Lord. It won't submit to its maker. It won't submit to his standards. It won't do as he tells them to do. It won't worship uh, God. But one day... We will hear those words, Babylon is fallen, 
is fallen. And one day even God will bring to an end uh, the rebellion uh, that is uh, in uh, this world and will usher in a new kingdom where all will be in subjection uh, to him. But then finally, in verses 21 uh, to uh, 31, we have the families of uh, Shem. And verse uh, 21, again, we've mentioned that. Shem, um, Moses highlighting and putting, he doesn't want us to miss the significance of uh, Eber. Uh, and so he puts, puts him at the forefront of our minds. That word uh, Eber, the word, or rather, sorry, the word Hebrew is thought to derive uh, from Eber, Eberu. And uh, it's uh, in Genesis 14 and verse 13, we have the mention of Abraham, the Hebrew. And it's thought that this is, well, it's not thought, it's, it's evident uh, that the Israelites are descendant from, uh, from this man, uh, Eber, and uh, his family. And uh, Eber, we read, had uh, two sons, uh, Peleg, uh, who was born at the time of the scattering. We read that in uh, verse 25. Unto Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth uh, divided. And when he was born, he was uh, given this particular name. And that helps us because it helps us then to, uh, to actually date uh, the Babel event. And uh, because of this and the, and the genealogy there in chapter 11, well, we can work out that uh, the event at Babel took place 101 years uh, after the flood. And uh, Noah, out of interest, was still around uh, even when that uh, happened. From Eber's other son, uh, Joktan, well, there came another Semitic group, uh, the Arabs, uh, also, who settled in that, that area. Well, just uh, briefly, of the other sons of Shem, we have the, the Elamites, who settled also in Persia, uh, and we have uh, Aram, uh, the sons from Aram, the people settled in uh, Syria, and uh, the Syrians, as you know, used to speak uh, Aramaic, which, are that, which was, before the Greek language took over, the international language, of the, of the day. Uh, so I say just these things in, in passing, just out of uh, interest. Uh, I hope they might be of interest uh, to you as you read uh, the scriptures. So verse uh, 32, in closing. Uh, these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. So... Just a, a few lessons before we, we close. What can we say about these things? Well, friends, the whole world is in, in God's hands. Every nation is in God's hands. But especially the church is what his main concern is. Uh, can we not say that the church is the focal point of our current day history? And even though all the other things are happening in the world and we hear about great things in, in the news and things happening in other places, the focal point of God's plan and God's decree and God's purpose in the world, the thing that he has his eye upon is the church. Just like I hear the line of Shem, the godly line, are followed all the way through. So the one, the main reason uh, even this world carries on existing, as we've said before, is because of the church and the elect 
who are still to be brought in. And once the, the final elect person, the, one, the final one who is to be saved, is brought to Christ, well, that will be the end of the world. There will be no more reason for the world uh, continuing. But there's also another lesson here, and that is the, how God works silently sometimes. All these things happened over uh, hundreds of years. And it, it took a long time before it became evident what God was doing and, and uh, this godly family and Abraham coming. Well, there were hundreds of years before these things happened. And uh, God was still working. It doesn't seem like he's working. It seems like he's silent. It seems like he's absent from, from history. He's not doing anything. And yet there he is in the background. He's still uh, working out his plans and his purposes, and they will come to pass. And it's the same for us. Well, we, we know we, we look at our world. Is God really working? Is God still working? Oh, yes, it may, even if it doesn't seem like it, even if God seems to be silent, he is uh, doing uh, something. And then uh, finally, one, uh, one other lesson we, we could take from this is, well, the Hebrews, well, they had to wait a long time to occupy uh, the promised land. Uh, it has been suggested that the Canaanites who, were, who went uh, to Palestine, well, they were actually hijacked that land. They really shouldn't have been in that land. And maybe they were there as squatters. They were encroaching on land that had actually been reserved uh, for, uh, for the, the Hebrews and the, the, uh, the Jewish people. And you see how long they had to wait and the difficulties that they had to go through before they actually occupied and went into Canaan. They had to suffer in Egypt. And that uh, read by Abraham having to wait, wait, wait. And the people had to wait before they actually went into that land. And yet they held on uh, to that promise. And it's, it could be something similar for us, uh, that uh, we cannot figure out what God is doing uh, in our lives. And we may have to uh, just wait uh, for him. We have that promise that uh, from God that he will do us good, that he will, he, he will work all things out for our good. And uh, yet we cannot see it. And we cannot see things happening. Maybe things are going astray, array in our lives. Maybe uh, things are going against us. What do we do? And maybe we're also in trouble. But well, let's wait for him. Wait for him patiently, friends. As the hymn writer says, his purposes will ripen fast. Soon, in due time, at some point in time, you'll see the purpose of God behind uh, even those troubles and those difficulties. So we trust him at all times because he is worthy of our trust. So just a few thoughts uh, from uh, this chapter uh, tonight.